wants a job with a name on his shirt He's coming from the country and he's looking for work Though he don't want to die more than the world thinks he's worth Billy wants a job with a name on his shirt
wants a job with a name on his shirt. Welcome you to a, another episode of Porch Talk. Tonight we're burning the phone lines uh, on a Zoom call. I have two members of Uncle Ben's Remedy uh, from Versailles, Miss Versailles, New York. Yeah, nailed it. We we call Versailles here. Um, we say Versailles in France. Yeah. <laughs> So guys, uh, Ben, Sean, thank y'all so much for uh, joining me tonight. Um, like I was telling y'all a little bit before, uh, Fuzzy from Fuzzy and the Rust Belts, I uh, speak very highly of you, and I, I'm glad y'all uh, took me up on uh, coming on Porch Talk tonight. Yeah, man, it's kind of him, him to do that. Uh, we played together up here in New York. Uh, a couple times and uh he's got a you know fantastic voice and it's really uh i don't know how the music scene is down there or whatever but up here it's really one for all all for one you know so we're just always so it's real do that i like that um yes i would say that it depends on the scene and um Sometimes it's dog-eat-dog world, and then sometimes you have a scene that is just a melting pot, and it really depends on what city you're in. Like Birmingham, Alabama, I would say um, that's a pretty tight-knit music community, and they really uh, do everything that they can for each other. And I've been to some places to where it really just isn't that way. Yeah. Um, so, guys... Um, I hear that Uncle Ben's Remedy is also known as the Boys of Versailles. <laughs> or Versailles. Yeah. Yeah, my, myself, my cousin Harmony that plays all the lead strings and um, the drummer Jimmy Royce, uh, we all, all three of us grew up in this little town called Versailles, New York. Uh, oh, it's about 40 miles... 45 miles south of Buffalo, New York, um, in kind of the middle of nowhere, as much as you can be in New York, because uh, the town, I don't know, about 200 people, probably 250 people, something like that in our town, and um, that's kind of where we came from, and uh, we have a big, uh, probably the, the reason why we, we use it a lot in our promotion, you know, we, we've been going back and forth here with Versailles and Versailles, we actually even put out merch that says... Uh, you know, like uh, to take uh, one from Leonard Skinner, it says pronounced for sales. Um, <laughs> just like the old Leonard Skinner thing. So um, we just love uh, small town and uh, we're real proud of it. And uh, we're happy to come back here and play and support the area and stuff too. Yeah. Um, you know, as uh, Fuzzy and I were going back and forth today to help me better prepare for this is... Uh, he used the word podunk, and I was like, how cool is that? Because I come from a podunk town in Alabama, <laughs> where I sit right now, in Kennedy, uh, which is, um, a, I think y'all might have me beat. I think um, I think we got a little over 250. Yeah. <laughs> 
but it's really spread out, you know. Uh, you wouldn't think it if you drove through the middle of Kennedy. You'd be like, uh, dude, did I just blink and miss a town? gives us a Sean go ahead what was you gonna say there's a general store in Versailles called the general store uh, <laughs> run by uh, our friend Gary uh, I think he's related right Ben yeah uh, he's my cousin Gary old hippie and one night before a show at the community hall across the street where uh, we, we have a good time and bring a lot of a lot of friends in for a show and Ben walked over and said, hey, you're going to have a lot of customers uh, tomorrow night. And Gary said, oh, boy. <laughs> I think his, his favorite part of the job was not having customers. <laughs> oh, man. that uh, That's that's what I was going to kind of ask is, uh, uh, I think we're going to have a good exchange here, is uh, tell me just a little bit about, like, growing up in that small town. And uh, so, like with Kennedy, Alabama, um, we split a high school. There used to, there's a neighboring town, which is just like what you're saying with your Kennedy. That would be my Millport. And so there used to be Millport High and Kennedy High. And then they came together to make South Lamar because we're in the southern part of Lamar County. But, um, uh, <laughs> like... Man, I graduated with 26 people in my class, and dude, we, we have, there's never been like a live music scene here. You always would have to go to a bigger town somewhere else to play. So, uh, what, was, what was life like in high school there, you know? What was the scene like? I, I think that it's, it, I think it would be real similar to that. Um, you know, we started out um, playing me and uh i mean we started out real young my 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 uh my, my uh parents played in country band and my cousin harmony that plays guitar his parents had a rock band and like as we grew up it was like you know when people tell me like you're asking me you know like man harmony he's good you know how to get him so good i i always say like where he when he grew up if he wanted to sit down in the living room, he had to move a Les Paul because there was no place to sit because there was just guitars and his parents practiced in the, either in the kitchen, so you, you had to like climb over a drum set to make your cereal or you had to, you couldn't watch TV because the, the amps were there. I mean, they, we just grew up at, like just surrounded by it, you know, and of course, you know, for the first half of your young life, you think it's a pain in the ass or whatever, and then... Uh, All you want to do is leave, right? Yeah, all you gotta do is get out of there when they're playing their weird old person people music, you know. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so we rebelled for a while and played kind of a crazy, you know, hair rock and roll and stuff. And um, but but it just we just kept coming back to like being. It's funny you play your things called porch talk because we we're always talking about playing on the porch, you know, just playing on the porch and around the campfires and um, you know, no matter how rock and roll I got, I already had to have a few in the 
in the bank because when I got home, my dad would throw me a guitar and be like, you know, your turn, and I had something. And it just kept coming back to that all the time, and we just finally just stopped fighting it, you know, and uh, and, and really started to learn how awesome it was, what it was you know. And so, but as far as venues and stuff, we kind of always had to make our own thing, you know, like, I mean, from... From the very, I think my very first gig, we charged 50 cents to get my aunt's lawn <laughs> played for six people. Um, but, uh, you know, and then eventually we went out to the big city. Um, but, you know, we, we, it, I like to play the city and you almost have to, you know, for, and then when we've been touring lately some and, and that's been great, but, you know, just play these small towns. It's, it's funny. We, we, you have to get an is an adjustment, you know. Like you go to the club in in Buffalo or Rochester or anywhere like that. And none say bad about them; they've been wonderful to us. But it takes a bit, you know. You walk in there and they got rules, and and this is where you're supposed to go, and you're this that. You know, you play back home in these bars, man. They just worship the ground you walk on. You know, you're bringing everybody in, and they're like, "Yeah, how many free beers do you want? What do you want? What do you want?" Like, when, especially once we started getting a following you know and then all of a sudden you get shifted back up to the club and they're like who the hell are you yeah <laughs> man um in the bar and play what <laughs> yeah uh ben you said a lot of things there i want to unload <laughs> all right Sorry. no 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 this is perfect um so just a little bit more about like when you stepped out of that small town to go to like uh, Rochester or Buffalo, um, did it feel like you were leaving being a big fish in a small pond to stepping off into a big pond as a small fish? Yeah, it, it did, you know, and it, we just always had to like just believe in what we did and um and like i said you know it was it was uh you know we were we were welcomed um the other musicians there with with open arms you know and i once we got going you know i never felt that way but um you know maybe at first a little bit um and then just you know of course you get real possessive of everything right you know and so then you go out there you play country music in a in, a, in, in the middle of the city and you kind of want to say like well, you guys sure you know what country's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, I just I, I just had to r- rip my hunting clothes off as fast as I could and get my bush hat on and get going and the boss to get out there <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm not making up when I write these songs that's not true it does feel like you have to win them over a little bit when you're out and well, I guess anywhere you go where you're not as well known, it's, it's that uh, that winning them over period that is the adjustment. Yeah, and and kind of the challenge and the fun of it too. I like it's kind of funny early on when you're talking about promotions. I mean, we try to just stay true, but it's just kind of funny. Like if when you're playing out in kind of out of nowhere, you want to say you're from Buffalo from the Buffalo area or whatever, and then when you're in there, you want to stay away from the middle <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so 
know, so we're always laughing about that. Uh, Sean, I liked, uh, I liked what you said earlier and I want to, I want to spend a little time right there is like, uh, when you go to these new places is, um, you feel like you have to win them over. Um, let me, when I was growing up and, um, I would hang out, um, in Columbus, Mississippi, uh, in Columbus, which is a, a little bit of a bigger town in Mississippi. And um, found friends and, like, started circles and, you know, started finding myself. But it was, a, it was a totally different vibe than, like, that small town where everybody knew you were. If your truck broke down, news of your truck breaking down would make it back to town before you did. <laughs> so, I mean, do y'all kind of feel that? Is that what it kind of felt like? It's like a... Uh, thing like I would never you know and I don't think you are either but I would put down the people that we know and love out there but it's it is definitely different like you know I, I don't know you know I just think we, we so we're like 45 miles I don't know exactly 40 45 miles out of Buffalo and I remember one night we got to the show out there in Buffalo and um we realized we forgot the upright base and that's not a real easy thing to borrow yeah you know um but like it, it just was seemed like nothing to us. We just immediately called someone that lives down the road from our practice rehearsal place. Said, "Hey, go down, get that bass, and bring it out here." Which and he's like, "Yeah, I'll be right now." <laughs> and he showed up before the show, and we were good. And it just doesn't seem like everywhere you know, the, the people that um, you know that have been coming to watch us a long time are really uh, just super loyal. And I don't know if we deserve it, but it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, um, of course, there's one more step to that, right, Ben? It's like, first you got to get the key from Gary at the general store, then go to the practice spot, <laughs> get the upright base, and then return the key to Gary, and then drive up to Buffalo. <coughs> <laughs> Thanks, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's let's take a step back, and uh, when y'all were coming up, and Tell me a little bit about how you got into music. Was it, uh, did mom and dad have records in the home or was it, uh, music in the car? How did y'all find music and like, um, how old were you when you got into it? And, you know, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Sean, you want to go or you want me to? Well, I'll, I'll start. I, I, uh, I like you. Your, yours and Jim's and, and Arm's story uh, sort of intersect. My my dad was a DJ, and so the first song I ever remember hearing was Pilot of the Airwaves. I can't even remember who sang it, but uh, that was my dad's theme song for a while. And so, yeah, I, I grew up uh, with that connection slash disconnection of the radio. Like, I knew it was on the other side, and, and it was kind of a home at the same time is uh, a, a big mystery to me uh, that I, uh, I loved uh, trying to figure out. Yeah. Uh, so what would be your first instrument? Mine would have been piano, I guess. Just, you know, climbing up on the piano bench 
uh, as, as early as I could, you know, climb myself up there. Yeah, and so, uh, I mean, just about that, like, so you had one in the home? Yeah, it was my grandmother's and grandfather's piano. I spent a lot of time there. And, um, you know, yeah, music was all over. My grandfather was a music teacher. My grandmother was a, uh, uh, an oboe player. And so uh, it was sort of a no-brainer that uh, it was that it, that's what you did. Yeah. As a, uh, either as a life or as a uh, avocation. Yeah. Like my grandmother said, don't make music your vocation. It makes a much better advocation. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool little saying. Um, so, uh, she was full of them. <laughs> I mean, who, like, when you were, when you were striking those chords, uh, what were you playing? Like, were you just, like, fumbling across the keys trying to find it, or uh, was there someone you were trying to replicate? That's a good question. I have no idea myself. And what, what would you say when you first picked up a guitar? <laughs> uh, first, she'll be coming around the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess my story uh, to just pick up on that is like I like I said, like my parents were both in bands, and um, you know my my parents were split up and um so like when i would go to my dad's every week uh he would usually have to play some little bar honky-tonk thing and so like you know he, he I, I i don't mind it now but looking back i'm like i don't know if that was the best choice but he would you know take me and i you know give me a couple bags of chips and my soda at a back table and then i just sat there and watched it until 2 30 in the morning or whatever yeah. watch white people dance and stuff like that and uh um i just got like you know and it was late nights coming home in that in his car and stuff and you'd think that would that would cure me of the whole thing right off the bat but i think i somehow secretly got hooked there un unknowingly got hooked on it but you know we <coughs> we like I said, we kind of rebelled, and I don't know, I think License to Ill came out, and me and Harmony decided we were going to be a rappers, which horrified our parents. Um, but that only lasted about a month, and then... Uh, rappers? And then we, both, then we both asked Santa Claus for instruments, and... and no, 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 how old were you when you were going to be a rapper? <laughs> Let's see, uh, that was probably 12, 10, oh. 10... 10, 11, 12, something like that. I mean, what, what kind of flow was you going to follow? Who was you listening to? <laughs> no, I, luckily, I didn't have any access to any recording device at that point because I, I'm sure it was real, real bad. <laughs> but who were you listening to? I, what? I mean, who were you listening to? Uh, just License to Ill, the Beastie Boys, when it came out, I think, like it. <laughs> walked through and it was t it was it was rough and uh <laughs> that's so perfect so like for 15 minutes you know that's what we thought that that was going to be cool but then uh and like i said when we right after that when we asked uh santa claus for uh a bass guitar and an electric guitar i think they were uh santa claus was more than willing to get instruments in our hands when they thought maybe the alternative was us jumping around uh <laughs> rapping so 
dead end of that. And then Harmony and I have been in a band ever since. I think we're <coughs> 12 or something. You've, uh, so not, not always a very good one, but we definitely together when we were about 12. Yeah, you brought up Harmony a couple of times. Um, so cousins, I mean, did y'all just live like right down the road from each other? Yeah, right next door, um, since we were real little. Okay. And, um, so we, we, we started to play together, um, right early on and, uh, it, it just became, you know, the, the thing to do. I'm glad I did. I learned then because I might not have the patience to learn now. <laughs> I'm just trying to picture like two ten-year-olds listening to the Beastie Boys and thinking they were going to be rappers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I don't always bring the best things up during these. No, 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 dude. <laughs> that is so perfect. Did um, was that some of, like is was that some uh, some of your earliest influences who else influenced you during that time i mean early on like i said early on we, we were doing everything we could to to rebel so that when that didn't work we i think we got really into uh you know all the hair band stuff and that and um as young teenagers and you know we and but i think always there was that you know my dad and you know, my dad and, and Harmony's parents, they, they were always more influenced than we knew, you know. He was playing, he was playing all like uh, Merle Haggard and jo Jones and uh, all those guys. And uh, that's why I, I really grew to love that stuff. I just didn't know it when I was 14. You yeah. know, it was just like, what's to like what your dad likes? And uh, Skinner and then Harm's parents were more like Almond Brothers and uh, Petty and... Uh, you know all those guys and and i just uh so that was happening the whole time i mean a lot of our gigs were getting up and playing one song during one of their gigs you know hey look at these are our kids and they learned to play guitar you know? yeah <laughs> and we would throw down the song on but uh it um it was a they were the big influence on us there's no question i mean we were obviously listening to a lot of other music but um they were the driving for and just, I, I feel so bad for kids that, you know, if they got, like, non-musical parents and they want to play music, you know, and then they go to get them a Walmart guitar and nobody in the house knows how to tune it, and it's just a real struggle for them. You know, we we had stuff right there for us to always use, you know. If we had a gig, then the, they would set up a PA for us. And, you know, so it was really awesome. We I'm, a, uh, I'm a first-generation musician in my family. Uh, yeah. with the exception of, uh, I, it's on both sides, but I never met them because they were like great grandparents. But I remember as a child, um, my great grandfather on my father's side, he would play the harp and, uh, I have a older brother. He's a year and a half older than me. Uh, you know, as toddlers, we would dance while he would play the harmonica. Oh, that's cool. But, um... You know, other than that, I hear on my mother's side that uh, my mother's father was uh, a talented guitar player. But I, I hear what you're saying is like I was, if it wasn't for my friends who influenced me to pick up a guitar, and if we weren't just hanging out all the time, I picked it up when I was 15. And um, 
it was after a talent show that my um, best friend played. He played uh, Proud Mary by CCR, and it just blew my hair back. And I was like, yeah, I want to play guitar. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, if if it wasn't for us hanging out and, like, back when MTV played music, like, you, you understand what a small town is. It's like, we have a limited amount of exposure to a lot of things. And it sounds like yeah, you had you had a sure. you had a pretty cool bringing up with like you were, um, you know, a son to a family band and like you kind of got to see a music scene and be a part of it. Um, that's really cool, especially like in a small town setting like that. Yeah, no. However limited it, it was, it, the scene was. I, it, I am lucky, you know, and. There were square dance, little square dances in town all the time, you know. And I, but like on the other hand, like what you're saying, like if what we used to do is have friends that lived in the bigger town record like MTV on VHS, and then re- <laughs> we didn't have cable or any yeah. access to that, or, so we could figure out what was going on and not seem so lost when we talked to friends from town, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um. No, it was good. I'm glad it got us where we are now. Yeah, uh, so I want to bring it up to now, um, and we'll probably keep flirting with that uh, small town aspect of it, but um, tell me about the formation of Uncle Ben's Remedy, and when did it happen? And uh, congratulations on uh, the latest album. And, um, you know, I, I think it's cool to, it's your fourth, right? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to have uh, a catalog that big, man, props, man. But um, t- tell, me about, tell me about the starting of Uncle Ben's Remedy and why.
11 o'clock. He's like, man, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. You should find a new bass player. And uh, we said, okay, thank you for your service. And he, uh, we, we um, invited uh, Brennan or Bach, we call him, uh, our bass player, to join. And he's been with us ever since. That was probably, I would say, what, 2012. I don't think it was in the year. Um, so, um, and that it, we've been a solid, um, five piece ever since, uh, like brothers. Okay, Ben, I got a question for you. When did Crocs become a big part of your life? That's <laughs> <laughs> another good story. I tell you, it's kind of funny because um, I I don't know. I, I spend a lot of time in uh, Ontario, um, or I did before COVID, um, in a little tiny same thing. I guess we're using the word podunk. In a podunk town in uh, northern Ontario, I do a lot of fishing and hunting and stuff up there and got a lot of uh, what I consider family up there. Um, and... Uh, when I would go up there, they all wore Crocs all the time. Like, it's a lot of boating, you know, it's a it's a rural boating area, but they all had Crocs all the time, and I was like, man, I, so I started trying them on, and then when I got back home, I found out that they were just, like, a huge fashion faux pas. Like, the, there was nothing uglier or nothing worse that you could wear mm-hmm. than those at the time at the time so i was thinking wait a minute now um so they're uh super comfortable super convenient fairly cheap and a fashion faux pas that's all i need to make something completely mine so i just started wearing all the time no matter what and then my feet got addicted to them and now i barely like to put on anything ever um, but they've kind of come and gone. Like now, I'm seeing a lot of kids wearing them again and everything. So now yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm at change. <laughs> I'll have to switch switch out. But um, they're comfy. I saw Questlove with them on Saturday Night Live this week. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah that, with I with love a, what a vig- <laughs> I'd uh. uh that, that, man the other day i told my wife i said hey i'm gonna give me one of those i i have a, a lot of like thermal underwears um long underwear shirts thermal underwear shirts and uh but they're all dirty and stained i said i'm gonna get a new one and <laughs> just wear it like the shirt i think it'd be cool yeah you know so we go to the store and i buy one and i put it on and i wear it out and two days later i'm watching saturday night live and justin bieber comes out with one on I'm like damn it <laughs> yeah um sean uh tell me a little bit about um the years uh just since uh uncle ben's remedy um what has it meant uh to you um like i can't remember <laughs> fair enough i'm kidding <laughs> No, I, uh, like Ben said, you know, I brought uh, Tim. Tim was a friend of mine and a, and a fellow musician that I worked with. Um, so he he got us off the ground. And then uh, getting back in, he just uh, 
took us into the stratosphere uh, as far as being a tight group and uh, uh, you know we all have our roles uh, and uh, and our input. Um, I know it was Ben's idea to you know, try to put out something every year, um, you know, an album a year, and uh, and we could probably do that if it weren't for our other obligations. But uh, I think we're I'm pretty damn proud of the fact that we've done an album every two years from 2014 to now. So, um, you know, Ben comes in with these ideas and we, uh, we work them and we argue over them and, uh, laugh over them and make up alternate verses over them and, uh, <laughs> and then, and then put them together. And it's just been, uh, okay. it, it's been four brothers and four husbands I never had. <laughs> I, li I like what you said there um, and so here we go is to describe Uncle Ben's remedy and I like how you said alternate verses alright now we gotta tell the people what you sound like who are you people uh, that's the like it's like the, the thing that everyone needs and wants to know and the least favorite thing for any musician I've ever met to, to, to answer. Um, I, um, it, you know, I think in, in a lot of ways it comes down to what I was talking about before that I, I somehow, I sometimes feel like that we have kind of a set machine like with that upright bass and the, the style of uh, train beat and drumming that that our drummer uh, does. And Harmony plays primarily the rezzo. There's, there's some, uh, you know, some electric here and there and some acoustic here and there, but he primarily plays the rezzo. And, um, and then with me playing acoustic and Sean playing piano, um, vast majority of it being kind of a straight piano sound um I, the way i feel as a writer is i love that because that's like the machine and then when i write something maybe i write it in my room and i you know it maybe not necessarily right away sounds exactly like uh you know country all country whatever it is but i know once we push it through that machine and everyone has their input, and it goes through those instruments. It's going to come out sounding like Uncle Ben's remedy at the, at the end, which I think is really cool. Um, I know a lot of, like, you know, <laughs> there's a whole history books are filled with, like, uh, you know, songwriters that are really controlling about their idea and their vision and you're on, you're either on board or you're not and and it's made wonderful music over the years don't get me wrong but i much more enjoy going in and saying look at this is it let's see what you guys got what do you want to do where are we going this way and if they if you know i'm i'm totally okay with them saying you know making major changes for the most part or if we want to say yeah that ain't working i'll say okay well i'll just put it back in the bank let's do something else i'm i i i i mean that might sound like i'm not like driven to my vision or whatever but i just think it's a much more enjoyable um wonderful way to make music with guys you respect and love so i i, I love it no I, th I think you uh I think you hit the nail on the head, and apologies for the bad question, but 
you got to a good place is um, reels. I didn't watch this myself, but uh, my coworker uh, is a music fan as well, and he just watched a documentary on uh, Tom Petty. And he was, uh, we were riding in the car this morning, and we were going out throughout the city and taking care of whatever we needed to get done. We worked for a utility company in uh, Starkville. And um, he was like, man, you like Tom Petty? I said, yeah. He said, uh, did you know that Tom Petty had bands before Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers? I was like, yeah, um, but I've never really listened to them, but I heard like, you know, Bob Dylan, and I was like, he had like a lot of, a lot of friends back in that, them Florida days before the Heartbreakers broke out, and, um, and for the life of me, um, I can't remember the names of them right now, I think one was like the Mud Crushings, or, yeah, yeah, Mud Crush, I, yeah, but, um, and he was, they were talking about like, um, they got booked, uh, to play this show, and I think it was like the owner stood up and said, um, hey guys, thank y'all for coming out tonight. Tomorrow night we'll have a way better band. It's going to sound a whole lot better. Or <laughs> Somebody said something to that effect. And Tom happened to be there that night. And another member who was on stage that night playing in that band, they all heard it. And everybody had like that, what the fuck did that? No. And so that there was like a, a whole lot of hell raised like right there in the spot. And maybe y'all have seen this and you can kind of correct it. I'm, this is a very uh, telephone story. But um, <laughs> it, it kind of goes back to like uh, what you were saying about uh, your way of songwriting and the way that Uncle Ben's Remedy is. It's a very tight knit that those bands got really offended uh, by that, specifically the ones that said it'll be way better tomorrow, and they were the ones that going to be playing tomorrow. It's like, no, and it goes back to earlier about that music scene. It's like, you don't say that. You know? It's like, uh, this is no, a... I, I don't exactly like me. Go ahead. Yeah, just uh, the way that you phrased your your vision for Uncle Ben's Remedy kind of reminded me of that. And it goes back to what you said earlier, you know, it's like uh, 
I think it's a very selfless approach, uh, the way that you approach your songwriting uh, Uncle Ben's Remedy. And it it just kind of pulled me into that old Tom Petty story that I was told today, you know? Yeah, and it's not, to me, it's not just self selfless. It, it may be, but, like, to me, when you start, you're going to write a song, the most important thing at that point and from that point on is the song. It's not... You want to serve the song. It's not my my idea. It's not. It's the song. So if everyone has that same mentality and we're going to make this song the best that we can make this song, then, you know, that's okay. If it doesn't, you know, I play acoustic guitar and sing. A lot of times, like, I, I'm not going to play acoustic on that song. It doesn't need it. You know, and I'm not going to try to, well, I'll just put it in here a little bit for the credit. It's not right for the song. Get it out of there. Put build a song. Like let's build every song as best we can, no matter who ends up in there. If we gotta, you know, call a banjo player from down the street, then we we do that to make it better. I like that. Well, guys, um, there was something that happened back in 2018. The Taste of Songwriters. Um, tell me a little bit about that and um, uh, what went down. Is that uh, Taste of Country? Yes. Uh, Fuzzy uh, say something about that? He did. (laughs) Is that the one? Ever works or whatever? Yeah, and uh, that goes back to what Ben was saying. Is like we uh, ended up as finalists, uh, and I'm using air quotes, versus uh, singer songwriter Kate Mallon. Uh, fantastic girl, fantastic voice. Uh, just there, there's really little comparison, other than we're all trying to do the same thing and may, and be real about it. Um, and uh, it, we, and to her credit, she uh, she won that uh, that contest, and uh, it was. Um, it was humbling for us, and I think it was exactly what we needed to realize that uh, there are other people out there trying to do this uh, same thing and doing just as well as we are, and, and some and, and better. I the 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 best part of that night, I mean, we had a we had a huge crowd for us, um, and I don't know loyal. And, you know, loyal to a fault crowd. I'll just leave it there. Um, but we all jumped in the bus, and to uh, drown our sorrows, we went up to uh, the Sportsman's Tavern to see a friends of ours play, because they were still playing after we were done. And we walk in, and they start playing one of our songs as a cover. And <laughs> I've never been more humbled and honored and uh, and vindicated as I was that night, sitting down there having a beer, watching our friends play songs that uh, just play a song that we wrote, and and doing a bang up job, and just realizing that's what it was all about. And the contests can uh, can go by the wayside. I like that. All right, guys. Um talk a little bit about your latest album um 
the title and just since that moment um what what is i mean what does all this mean to keep doing it right now especially during 2020 uh the bravery it took to put out something you couldn't really play <laughs> um well we started before <laughs> this happened we were we were uh you know three quarters of the way done with the with the tracking um when this yeah and so, I mean, I, I, I appreciate your comment. I just don't know if I, I can accept bravery to put it out. But we have been, uh, you know, wondering what to do with it. So we decided to go for it. Um, but, you know, as far as you're, you're asking about what it's come to mean to do it, um, you know, I think when you, I think anyone that, that really says that they start out working as tough as you have to work in a band and they don't have any kind of aspirations of, you know, uh, making a living. I don't know if you need to go as far as getting rich and famous, but at least making a good living doing it um, and not having a day job and that whole part of the dream, if you will. Um, you, you start out there for sure. Um, but, you know, I the way I... I I want to describe it is the other day, my uncle, I got this uncle, he's an asshole. And he, uh, he came, <laughs> yeah, he, don't worry. He doesn't listen to podcasts, uh, but he came to see me and he's like, Christ, you're 47. What are you still doing this for? What are you still doing it for? Why don't you quit? You know, all that, you know, nice supportive uncle shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I said, man, I, I, I get to, I have a creative outlet. I get to write songs. I get to I get to put them together with with guys I respect and I love. And then I said, "What happens with me is a bus picks me up at the end of my driveway, and I walk out there with my guitar and I get on there and I get hammered drunk with my best friends and play and have listen to people sing my lyrics back to me. And then that bus drops me off at the end of my driveway and I come home to my family who I love and I don't have to leave them I don't have to you know I don't have to play the other side of the country music and uh have my family ruined and, <laughs> and everything else yeah so to me I'm I'm living the dream absolutely perfect I get the best of both worlds and I'm really happy about that yeah man Sean what about it what do you what say you about this year and this album yes in particular uh, it, it's, I don't know, let me think for a moment about that, because it, it was always going to happen, but the way it happened, um, well, we were on record pace to put out an album, like, we started in January, and we were going to have this thing done and rolled out by early summer for a tour, and, uh, you know, well, the middle of March came and that became obvious it wasn't going to happen. And uh, we just kind of dropped it uh, for a little bit just to, you know, kind of go back to our corners and, and figure out what everybody was doing, you know. Well, the uh, studio closed, right? We couldn't get in. Oh, the studio closed, right. Um, so there was that. <laughs> there was that hurt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... Then you know we, and 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 to everybody's credit, 
you know, we found ways of adapting and, and figuring it out. You know, we were going to go in one at a time and, and track, uh, which is not how we do things. I mean, we, we all go in one at a time and track, but there's four other guys laughing at you while you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all having a better time with you while you're trying to lay it down. First album uh, we put out uh, yesterday's close, and uh, there's one piano lick that I I just wanted to nail, and it was 1:30 in the morning, and five takes later, I well okay, 15 takes later, I think I came close, and I look on the other side of that glass, and I see the guy is like pumping fists and cheering, and I realized that uh, that was as good as it was gonna get. <laughs> So, so tracking during COVID was uh, a little bit more sterile. Uh, so it was it was a little harder to get that UBR sense of family. Yeah. Uh, during, but uh, luckily we had done most of the tracking uh, in January and February. But uh, it was just filling in the holes and then figuring out uh, now how to get it out to people. What a. Uh... With the touring that you've done, what are uh, what's some of the most memorable memories uh, from the road? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Whether, whether you use this or not, Alan, one of the first thing that came to mind was a was a uh, lunch bag full of grass that ended up in a garbage can in Nashville. <laughs> and, and I, was, I will use that. Well, somebody. <laughs> somebody was digging through it to uh well i'd have to go back to tell the story but uh it was it was memorable yeah well come on man tell the story <laughs> all right so we had uh a little bit of uh tobacco sitting in the bus and it ended up somebody cleaned up the bus but that tobacco was in a, uh, I don't know, a Pringles container or something. And then I got tossed out with the garbage on somebody's lawn next to their recycling. And luckily it was uh, just a couple houses down from where we were staying for the night. And when we went to look for it in the bus and it wasn't there, I realized uh, that it must have been with the garbage. So there, <laughs> there we were, 1230 at night, uh, digging through some buddy's neighbor's trash to find a Pringles can full of tobacco. <laughs> Maybe I can't use the story. <laughs> but you did put it well. Uh, is it cool if I do use it or do you want me to take it out? That's up to Ben. Yeah, I don't care. I don't know. There's better stories, really. I mean, touring, Ben, what comes to your mind? I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. What about, have you ever made it down here to the south? Yeah, a little bit. We went, we played Nashville and Nashville, North Carolina. Nashville a couple times. And, uh. You're cutting out a little bit. Just hang tight just for a second, man. Panama, what is that? Where was your Panama? Pensacola, uh, that was a personal highlight for me. Pensacola, yes, we actually went through Alabama, but we didn't, we didn't have any shows there. 
Oh. And we cut through. Yeah, we had to we had a ten hour drive to get from Pensacola to Nashville that night. Yeah. But I uh, that was a personal highlight of mine is to get down there. There's my my brother in law lived down there, and we had set up the tour to to hit his uh, surprise birthday party, and uh, <coughs> I I got hammered in Atlanta, Georgia, and woke up on the bus in Pensacola. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I walked <laughs> off the bus and guys were like, where are we? I thought we were stopping for a driver change. <laughs> and we were like, we're here. We're like, yeah, where's here? Yeah. Like, Pensacola, we made it. <laughs> I almost cried. I was so happy. <laughs> where were we in North Carolina? Was it North Carolina when we went in? We, we had the bus and we were sleeping on the bus, but we decided in North Carolina we would get a hotel room. And we went in and asked him, we need a couple hotel rooms, and can we plug the bus in, you know? And he's like, sure. So we we plugged the bus in, and then he gives us two keys, and our, our driver, road road guy, and, and uh, Bob, our bass player, go in their room and turn the light on, and there's a naked dude, completely naked, laying on, on top of the covers and on the back. <laughs> and they're like, ah! and, he's, <laughs> and they they run out of the room and slam the door and go back up to the front desk and tell him and he's like, oh yeah, that's the wrong key, man. Here, this one, this one, right one. <laughs> right after that, the bus blew the whole circuit of that part of the hotel and motel, and it. it electric went out we were like showering in the dark and stuff <laughs> <laughs> well guys i got uh i have three more questions for you small town guys from um podunk versailles new york what has 2020 taught you Yeah, me too. You know, when, when we had our lockdown, you know, we got sent home from work. We had our lockdown. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't great, but I mean, I have I, I have 140 acres of woods, and but you know, it was I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I got wood to cut. I got you know, I got a guitar to play. I got all kinds of stuff to do. So yeah, but I couldn't. Imagine trapped in an apartment where I'm scared to go out or whatever in a, in a big big city um it must have been tough for them yeah uh Sean what about you yeah much like what Ben said I I'm just thankful for every uh, uh every moment that we've got um I I love the fact that we can be um at home and be comfortable you know the 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 we we in the band know that I'm the one who suffers the most from uh, what we call FOMO and uh, <laughs> the fear of missing out. And with with all that gone, that FOMO has disappeared. Uh, I'm much more comfortable to 
be uh, at home and uh, with people I love. Perfect. All right. Uh, question two is uh, um, you mentioned uh, before we done this that y'all haven't been together uh, for some time and y'all probably won't be together as a full band and we don't have the full band tonight. Um, what is that going to mean when y'all finally get back together? Well, we, through some of this, we've been able to get together and rehearse, um, and then, uh, but, and some of us see each other sometimes, but, um, our bass player, Bach, is, is a nurse and at uh, a city hospital and he works in the COVID wing. So we, we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. Um, he's doing okay. Um, we, 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 uh, you know, our, our thoughts are with him all the time and, uh, it'll be, it'll be fantastic when we can get together. You know, I was just talking to someone. I said, I'm focused on this and I can't wait. Can't wait. I, I can't, I think I'm a little worried what my wife's going to say when she sees the itinerary that I set up for this summer because I'm going to play. All right, uh, uh, Sean, what do, you, what do you say? What's it going to mean for the reunion? Oh, yeah, well, for me, like, you know, I think of Bach because uh, we've all been getting together piecemeal here and there, a few of us, uh, when we could, you know, trying to get our, get a merchandise together, and so when we're when all five of us are together again, it's going to mean that the shit is over and uh, we're back to rocking. Perfect. Last question, guys, and uh, then we're on our way out the door. Is um, the James Mullis question? <laughs> Tell me. The best or worst banter on or off the stage that you have heard while either being out in the crowd or maybe stage left or maybe you were the person that said it. <laughs> best or worst banter? Best or worst banter. I'll open it up to that. You can, you can just hear about it. I like that. That's fine. All right. My, my best. I, I'll have to think a little bit about the worst. My favorite, and I might have some parts of this a little wrong, but my favorite, it was, I believe it was a Johnny Cash. It was a Johnny Cash birthday celebration concert or something like that. And they were all backstage, and Chris Christopherson was there, and all the, they all were there, and Toby Keith was there, and Toby Keith told Chris Christopherson, hey, Chris, let's not hear any of your uh, lefty politics out there on the uh, stage tonight. And Chris Christopherson looked at Toby Keith and said, you know what? You did for country music what pantyhose did for finger fucking. <laughs> that's one of my favorite things of all time that's a good one <laughs> I don't know if it's true or whatever but that's one of my favorite 
that's my favorite. That's a good one. Well, I, I accept you. Maybe that is the worst and the best. I don't know. I think you might have gave the best answer yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Chris, man. <laughs> I don't want to take credit for his thing. <laughs> He's one of the greatest songwriters of all time, so. I'll, um, Sean, if you need a little time to think, I'll tell you, like, one of the funny ones I heard, and this is just another side to who I wasn't there, is, uh, I like this story. Is, um, there's a sound guy in Birmingham. He works at, uh, at Jupiter. Or Saturn, I get the two confused. Birmingham and Tuscaloosa neighbor each other. Uh, they used to have two venues, Saturn and Jupiter. And I always get them mixed up in my mind. But one of them doesn't exist anymore, so I can never remember what the other one was called. But um, either way, it was the sound guy. And uh, the band had just started. They finished their first song. And uh, you know how, like, uh, somebody will be like, Freebird! Yeah. This guy, know you know, <laughs> after the song was over, everybody was like, Yay! Play another. And this guy goes, One more song! One more song! Like it was some kind of an encore. And the show had just literally started. And I thought, I was like... <laughs> I was like, that's... That's that's great. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to use that. Yeah, I've got to use it too. Like, the next live show I go to, I might do that. <laughs> we have a guy that comes on the road with us a lot. And his thing <laughs> is... He yells out, play that one song. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, banter you got me thinking about uh the best banter that i can't remember is uh the time that a fan gave us some brownies at a show and we sat on the bus at the end of the night laughing our asses off and i don't remember why <laughs> <laughs> But I knew it was funny as hell. It's because we run out of milk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go ahead. The, 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 well, uh, but the, I think the, one of the, the best after show uh, banters when all of us were at uh, Pollywog Holler. Now, this is a, an eco-resort in, in the southern tier of New York, western mm. New York. Okay. Uh, right on the Pennsylvania border. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to get your stuff carted in on a four-wheeler a quarter mile through the woods, and it opens up into this... Uh, well, no, it's, it, a, uh, it's a lawnmower that he drags that stuff back to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lawnmower, yeah, yeah. Podunk. That's more accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's a five-hour show in the middle of a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and everybody gets tore up, and it's a two-hour drive back to our headquarters. And the the time that I remember was just a beautiful day and a nice, warm, sunny August day. Sunday afternoon, we all have a good buzz on, all our wives and 
girlfriends at the time were there with us and just the ride back uh was just magical because you know it was just that was the extended family right there became the nuclear family and uh we have a, a fan friend called the colonel who just dances at everything that we do and uh we, couldn't, trooper. Uh, we couldn't do a show without him uh Damn I don't trooper. remember how it came up <laughs> I can't remember how it came about but it was the the, the something about the colonel taking my place with my wife and Jack <laughs> and, and I I don't think the bus laughed as hard uh, collectively as when we're all laughing about my wife getting jackhammered by the colonel <laughs> You don't have to use this, by the way. But the, <laughs> you tell me. I'm going to if you don't say not to. That's why, you know. What's that? What I like to say about the colonel is that, like Sean said, he dances with his shirt off no matter where he is, no matter what he's doing. He's loyal. He's loyal. Through almost anything, but not through COVID. He, he, the first show that we had to do with COVID, he found out that you had to stay seated at a table according to the state regulations. And he's like, if I can't do my thing, I'm not coming. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> like, I understand, man. I understand. That's all right. You don't have to come. That's sold out anyway. But <laughs> I ain't doing it. But I, I love a man with principles. It's fine. Yeah, All right, a guys. Better story about the colonel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Sean, I will, I will, I'll text you tomorrow whenever I get ready for this episode to ask you about what I can use. <laughs> but <laughs> no problem, yeah. But um, that one up. It's, it's more of a personal thing, more just for fun. But, yeah, anyway. um, just to walk it out the door. Um, guys, thank y'all so much for, uh, taking the time to be on Porch Talk. And, uh, the last thing, uh, before we go is just how can people, uh, connect with you and your music? Where can they find it? Social media, Bandcamp. Um, yeah, uh, social media, all the social media things, UncleBattensRemedy.com is our website. And, um, you can order the, the physical copies of the CD right from there. Um, the digital copy drops on the 18th, which, what's that, this weekend, I think? So It's Friday. Yeah, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but... It'll be um, Tuesday. <laughs> December 18th, so if it's, if it's going to be next day, then it'll be out. So, uh, yeah, so it's available on all the... Um, all the streaming sites, everything, um, you know, check us out on Instagram and Facebook and all that, all that stuff that seems to matter now for some reason. All right. Well, guys, anything else to add or subtract? I don't think so, man. It's been a really uh, pleasure to talk to you. And, um, by the sounds of it, we need to get to Alabama. That sounds that sounds fun. I would love to hit all those small towns. Yeah, man. They'd be surprised. 
we might have to like not tell anyone we're from New York or something until after they hear us. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank y'all so much. We're out. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to the Porch Talk. That was Versailles, New York. That was Uncle Ben's Remedy. Please rate and review the show. Share it with your friend. And like when I ask you to rate and review, I know it's like pulling teeth. But if you're on the app, click on the show and rate it. You don't have to just like it's easy as like how many stars would you give? And give the amount of stars that you would. And if you want to leave a review, it's a cool show. Or, um, dude, Alan sucks. However you want to put it, do that. Uh, that's fine. Uh, write me. Uh, tell me how I can make it better if it sucks. Uh, we're going to walk the sh- <laughs> The first song that you heard was uh, Name on His Shirt. And um, we're going to walk this episode on Out the Door with all kind of trouble. This has been Uncle Ben's Remedy on Porch Talk. Thank y'all so much for listening. Okay. But do rate, interview the show. Or um, I'll be a redheaded stepchild before long. Shit house rats Getting all kind of trouble Put to bed with a shovel Then do it all over again Yeah
women home Just like life, it's a hell of a ride If you know when to hold on When to let go Get hell very silly Redneck wrecked Crazy and shit house Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 